Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is Sunday, January 8th of 2023. And today we have the joy of celebrating the Epiphany of the Lord. Today's Gospel comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at his rising, and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word, so that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out, and behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them, until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. Today we celebrate the Epiphany of the Lord. That word Epiphany comes from the Greek word meaning to reveal. And so on this day we recall how Christ reveals his saving presence to the world, that is, to everybody, since Christ came to save everyone. At Christmas, The birth of Christ and the dawn of salvation was announced only to a few people. We can think, for instance, of the shepherds. Now, however, that message of salvation is being made manifest to the world. Since, as St. Paul writes to the Ephesians, the Gentiles are are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In other words, salvation is for everyone. Before, God's redeeming work was only prefigured. It was something that we needed to wait for. As the prophet Isaiah said in the first reading, Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you the Lord shines, and over you appears his glory. Nations shall walk by your light, and kings by your shining radiance. Now, this has all been fulfilled, and today's Gospel recounts for us the first Gentiles to be led to Christ, the three Magi. Now, as we celebrate this great feast, we can consider three interactions, three communications that take place in the Gospel. We have the Magi being called by God, We have the conversation between the Magi and Herod and his gang, and then the Magi with Jesus and the Holy Family. So we have the Magi with God, the Magi with Herod, 
And how do the Magi respond in Bethlehem? So first, we have the appearance of the Magi in Jerusalem. Now there's three things here that call our attention. First, even though tradition has given them names, the Gospel itself leaves them anonymous. Who are these Magi? Well, they might have been wise men. They might have even been kings. And certainly they had great wealth, if we think about it, if they could just set out on a journey as soon as the star appeared and give such precious gifts. However, since these Magi don't have any names, we're reminded that what's really important in this life isn't to have great worldly wisdom or to have power or even to be wealthy. The wise men aren't remembered for any of those things. Rather, the three magi are remembered because they put those things at the service of God. And we too must dedicate our entire lives to seeking out the King of Kings, the only one who's really worthy of being served. Second, it's interesting to see how God called the Magi to Jerusalem in the first place. When we have the words they told Herod, we saw his star at its rising. Now this short sentence tells us a great deal about these wise men. At first, it's pretty obvious that the wise men had studied such things. It means that they were able to recognize not only the ordinary things in life, but also the extraordinary and they allowed this extraordinary to point them towards God. Now, it can sometimes happen that we lose sight, for instance, of the wonder of creation and all the good things that God has given us. Sometimes God gives us extraordinary gifts and graces, but if we're not used to seeing him in the ordinary things in life, oftentimes we just let the extraordinary even pass us by. Secondly, if the Magi saw the star at its rising it means they must have been on the lookout for it. They were awaiting this sign. And that's why when it came, they were able to snap immediately into action. We too need to be on the lookout for God's will in our lives. If we're not paying attention, we'll miss those daily opportunities to love and to serve him. Thirdly, the Magi don't simply stay put after they see the sign. Rather, they set off into action and travel whatever distance is needed in order to find the newborn king and worship him. Now, we don't know exactly where the Magi were from, but if the reading from Isaiah applies to them, then they were probably from the Arabian Peninsula. They could have been from as far south as modern-day Yemen. That would make the journey around 1,600 miles, which, on camel or on foot, would have taken a lot of time and patience. Even for us, the journey to follow Christ is something that takes time and patience. We have a long distance to go before we reach heaven, a large amount of time maybe. But the most important part is to set out and to keep moving forward. This leads us to our second point. The Magi head to Jerusalem and they meet with Herod and his advisors. And immediately we notice the difference between the two groups. The Magi are content and indeed overjoyed to go and worship the newborn king, to go humbly and honor the one who is greater than they are. On the contrary, Herod is frightened about what all this means. The Magi were on the lookout for a sign. The Jewish leaders didn't even know anything had happened, even though Jesus was the Savior they'd been waiting centuries for. The Magi had no idea about the scriptures or where the Messiah would be born. 
The Jewish leaders, on the other hand, could pinpoint the city, and yet that knowledge didn't do them any good. We see three dangerous attitudes in Herod and his friends. The first is fear. Now, it's true that Jesus comes, and that demands a response from us. We need to change our lives and live in accord with his will and his teachings. Sometimes this demands that we study the church teachings and and how we live them. Sometimes, oftentimes, it demands sacrifice. And sometimes it really asks us to be honest with ourselves and to humble ourselves in confession. But it never calls for fear, since perfect love casts out fear and Christ loves us perfectly. The second attitude we see is that Herod and his friends are lazy. If the Magi are going to Bethlehem, they could have easily gone along with them to see for themselves. But they wanted to avoid the sacrifice. They want to know what's going on, but they don't want to sacrifice. They want to know the truth, but only if it means they don't have to give up anything. Finally, we could say that the third attitude that is characteristic of Herod is curiosity. He just wants to know, but not to change his life or to be a better person. He'll know the truth if only it really doesn't affect him. The problem is this. Curiosity about Jesus, theories about Jesus Christ, and just talk about Jesus Christ doesn't help. That's not what brings salvation. What brings salvation is living our lives in love and trust and in conformity with Christ's will. We see the right attitude towards Christ exemplified in the way the Magi respond when they finally find him. Matthew tells us that they prostrated themselves and did him homage. Literally what he says is they kissed the ground in front of him. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The Magi sought the newborn king with all their hearts, and when they found him, they worshipped him and gave him the very best they had to offer. Gold to show that the child was a king, frankincense to show that he is God, and myrrh used for burial to show that he would die for us. Today, the church places before us the two options for our lives. We get to decide how we celebrate Christmas now and throughout the year. Do we follow the example of Herod and refuse to make the efforts we need in order to change our lives, be it going to confession or giving up some bad habit, breaking some vice? Or do we follow the example of the Magi by humbly seeking Christ, especially in confession, by laying down our lives for Christ, by living a life of sacrifice for our spouses, our children, our friends and family? Do we seek Christ in the midst of our daily activities, knowing that these things, just like the star, point to his presence among us? As the Christmas season approaches its end, let's ask through the intercession of Mary, the mother of God, for the grace to follow the example of the Magi and to really seek the Lord while he may be found.